back before I gave my life to Jesus, you know, academia was my guide. And so, of course, the Lord knew the best way to appeal to me was in the form of an academic intellectual debate about the truth. There I was. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Welcome to episode 78 of the podcast. I thought I'd give you a little insight into how a lot of these conversations come to be. As a super fan of Christian music, I've been connecting with artists since the late 1990s. Some of these artists have their information widely publicized, while some of these others are a little bit more difficult to find. Since they no longer perform music, a lot of them don't even have a web presence promoting themselves. Today's guest is one of the latter. Michael Peace released his last album in 1994, and I lost track of where he was. But somehow, a couple of months back, I heard that he was working at an inner-city youth organization in Rochester, New York, called Bethel Express. So, I contacted the organization, and Mike got back and said, I'd love to chat with you. I love talking to people about music and their path to releasing music. But equally as important is hearing how God is using them today. And like so many artists, Michael Peace took a deep dive into ministry. He has a passion for making a difference in his community. So today's episode is a really fun opportunity to see how God is at work in Rochester, New York. And I think you're really going to enjoy this chat. We'll get to our conversation in just a minute, but I wanted to tell you about the Rohingya people of South Asia. For over 40 years, these people have faced discrimination, violence, and persecution. So much so that in 2017, a mass exodus of Rohingya citizens started with them fleeing their country for their lives and for their safety. And a lot of these people are ending up in Bangladesh and some of the surrounding countries. To make matters worse, in March 2021, there was a devastating fire in one of these large Rohingya refugee camps. Thousands of homes were destroyed, hundreds of children separated from their families, and hundreds more injured or dead. Now, this is all devastating and hard news to hear, but the reason I'm telling you this is because Mercy Inc. and their partners have been working in the Rohingya refugee camp to bring relief and hope. They are also sharing the good news of Jesus to anyone who's willing to listen. And I'd encourage you to jump on board and see how you can help. To learn more about how you can support Mercy Inc. and more specifically how to pray for the Rohingya refugees, Visit christianmusicarchive.com slash mercy. There you can click on the Rohingya link to see how you can be the hands and feet of Jesus to these hurting and displaced people. That's christianmusicarchive.com slash mercy. On today's podcast, I'm honored to be talking with the director of Bethel Express. That's an inner city youth program in Rochester, New York. Michael is an ordained minister and has been an ardent advocate for at-risk youth for a number of years, but listeners to this podcast will likely remember Michael as one of the first rap and hip-hop artists in Christian music. 
Some folks have dubbed him the grandfather of Christian rap. I'm not talking about his age, <laughs> but he's released <laughs> six albums in the late 80s and early 90s. Please join me and welcome Michael Peace to the podcast. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, Dave. So good to hear your voice, and thank you for thinking of me and, and allowing me to be on your broadcast. You, you come highly spoken of. Oh, well, that's very kind of you to say. A lot of our listeners are going to remember probably your first album, Rocket Right, way back in the late 80s. I think it was, what, 88 or 87, something like that? 87, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, so you guys, you, um, like we said, we were, you were one of the first folks to do rap music in Christian circles, what what prompted you to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I look back and wonder myself. But <laughs> well, I um I had attended the short stories. I attended a service um, where the 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 brother that brought the word said that God has unique unique way in which He wants to use all of us. We need to seek Him uh, to find out what that unique approach is to bringing the gospel to a, to a lost world. And so that night I went home and, and I began to pray. What was interesting is, is that, um, I've been, and I'm still, I'm still playing drums to this very day. I've been playing drums since I was 11. Okay. But I thought that I was going to be playing, um, you know, I thought that God was going to give me, you know, the ability to use the drums and play music with an R and B feel or funk you know, feel and something like that. And that's what I thought. And so I got up off my knees and I found myself writing, you know, writing a rhyme, you know, writing. And I'm like, whoa, what's this? Like, I don't even like poetry. What is this? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay. And so then I said, Lord, is this you? You know, and I said, if it is you, let's find me to write another one. And I did. Oh, wow. And I'm like, Whoa, this is this is really, you know, and so then I said, Okay, Lloyd, if this is really you, let's find me to write another one. And I did. Oh wow. I mean like right on the spot. And then and I, I'm not a poetry writer. I I don't even I did not well I better be careful. Like poetry, you know? <laughs> right. Um then I said, Okay, Lord, this is really you. You give me favor with the leadership at our church. Okay. And um, I won't forget this. It was after service one day. And I was with some of the young people in the church, and we were just playing a little beat on the table, and I started to do it. And my, this is a, this is a church at a college area, the college rural college town at the time. Okay. And um, they they called me in like shortly after that, like I'm talking about the same day, and they said, Mike, we do not understand what it is that you're doing, but we recognize that the Lord is in it. Oh wow. We want you to know that we are releasing you to let the Lord do it, do with this gift or whatever it is. They said it like that or whatever it is oh my. in you. Wow. Had you ever written anything before musically? Nope. Not at wow. all. That's why it felt so <laughs> weird. Yeah. So so God anointed you almost from the moment that you asked and you started writing stuff that was just, he was just feeding through you. Yes. That, and I think, it, well, of course the Lord knows better than we don't know, but <laughs> right. he, he, he had to do it that way. Obviously, in order for me to know for sure that it was him. I'm gonna rock it right. I'm gonna rock it right. Everybody listen up to what I've got to say. Cause this might be your very last day. On this earth, your life may come to an end. In heaven or hell, where are you gonna spend it?
on DMZ and all such matches need to be like me. Cause I follow Jesus Christ and study his word and he will change your life. Ah, if you haven't heard. Now God is the one with the one true power that any MC he can and will devour. Don't be for talking about you in disrespect. But if it took a say, hell you would get. You've been rapping on a mic to a rocking beat. But what you gonna do when Jesus you meet? You've been rapping on a mic making everybody dance. So can make your life to him I might be a leg. Because people used to ask me, well, like how you know it's not the devil, you know, giving you those lyrics? I said, because the Bible says the house of body cannot stand. Yeah. I, and I said, started giving a scripture about what Jesus has said about Beelzebub. It's like, why would the devil give me lyrics to speak about his adversary? Yeah. And how to fight him, you know, and to have victory over him and sing. So that's how I knew. But, um, but yes, so the Lord did do. Yeah, the Lord had to do it in that way to make sure that I knew it was definitely, undeniably Him. Well, and that's cool that the people in your church recognized immediately that this was a gifting that needed to be used out more than just, you know, singing in your bedroom or singing at the at the youth group. Yes, definitely. And, and as I said before, it was it was in a rural town, you know, a rural college town. Yeah. So, you know, they, they were not aware of anything that would come from an urban culture, mm. you know. Interesting. Um, and and that's and that's how that unfolded. So, but um, I'm just glad that they saw what what the Lord saw. So I did not have any opposition in my church. Yeah, which is a good thing because a lot of a lot of the rappers back in those days and even to this very day have opposition from the leadership in their church. And um, I started off um, in a good place. And, and I'm really grateful to the Lord for that. So you were raised in New York City, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, so, sir. Born so, and raised. so how did you get to this rural church where they weren't, you know, right in the downtown part of New York? <laughs> in fact, it's six hours away by car in Rochester, <laughs> New York. <laughs> I, um, I was not a very good citizen in New York City. Not like I was just this evil bad guy, but I, I saw things coming my way that if I did not get out of New York City, mm. you know, mm-hmm. I was pro- I was definitely headed for destruction, if you will. Okay. And so I was fortunate enough to graduate from high school on time and go to college. And so for me, I wanted to go as far as I could from New York City, ah. but still be in the state of New York and get a college education. And so, um, yeah, can I get much further away from New York City than Rochester moving, you know, mm-hmm. you know, due north? Um, from the city of uh, from New York City, so uh, so that's how I ended up in in um, Brockport. Okay, and so I went to the State University of New York in Brockport. I majored in mass media communications and journalism, and uh, my minor was in African and African American studies. And um, I was not a Christian during those days at all. Um, it wasn't until I graduated from college, actually, uh, one week one week after graduating from college, two friends that I knew you know, from my college days, told, told me about Jesus, and I committed my life to him then. I would love to dig into that a little bit more. So was that something that you were just, you were hungry for, or was it a process? How did that work? Well, it's interesting that you say that, because I had done quite a bit of militant activity on the college campus. Mm. Um, I, I definitely was what they would call a black militant. Okay. And I knew that I had done a lot of harm, a lot of wrong, and a lot of bad to people. Of course, the Lord calls it sin, but but back then I did not know that. Mm. And I remember talking to a friend of mine who was a Muslim, and um, I had been going to the Muslim, you know, uh, uh, house of worship uh, with him. And I was on my, you know, my plan was to become a, a full fledged 
you know, Orthodox Muslim. Okay. Uh, because it appealed to me from a from a racial angle. Mm. And I told him that I was I was ready. He was, they came up with a name for me. And I told him on Friday that I was going to go with him on Sunday to commit my life to Allah and to become a Muslim. And he told me he was going to come to my house the next day, which was Saturday, to tell me what time he was going to pick me up. Well, I'm in my apartment, and my two friends that are Christians came by. They started talking to me about Jesus, and, like, my mom was already made up about, about Islam. Yeah. So I just let them talk. Well, my friend who was a Muslim came by, and he heard them talking to me about Jesus. He interjected into the conversation, and um, they began to uh, discuss, debate, whatever you want to call it, the contrast between the Bible and the Quran, Christianity and Al-Islam, the Prophet Muhammad and the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, when they would, they uh, they debated almost five hours in my apartment. Oh wow! And when that when that when they were done, I knew who had the truth. Uh. And so, needless to say, I did not go that next day. <laughs> to, to, to the to the to the masjid, and that Tuesday I went to that Bible study, and gave my life to Jesus. Oh wow! So so that was the process. Yeah, if you will. But it was people who were pouring into you, saying, "This is important that you know the truth," and you were able to talk about it and hear about it, and and it was revealed to you that this is this Islam way, maybe not be the full truth. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I can tell. I the the the, the Muslim had been a Muslim for five years. And the Christian had been a Christian for five years, but the Christian was a Muslim for three years before he became a Christian. Mm. And so he really, you know, he really understood Islam to the extent to know that it was not the truth, yeah. which is what led him to Jesus. And so when he was, you know, debating with that that um that Muslim in my apartment, my living room apartment, you know, I, I it was obvious. I mean, of course, I now know it was the anointing that was in the room, Absolutely. the Lord's presence that was in the room, because I did not know that then, but I could feel something, and I knew something was real. Yeah. And, you know, back back, me, back before I gave my life to Jesus, you know, academia was my guide. Mm. And so, of course, the Lord knew the best way to appeal to me was in the form of an academic intellectual debate yep. <laughs> yep. about the truth. <laughs> there I was. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Of course, he he knew. I was clueless, but he knew. <laughs> Isn't it great that the Lord reaches us exactly where we need to be reached? That's just, I love oh, that about our Lord. Yes, I, and I, I so enjoy telling people that's how that's how how particular the Lord is about our lives and, mm-hmm. and, and how he sees our lives that, you know, he'll meet us, he'll meet us where we are to get us to where he wants us to go and be. It's absolutely, absolutely. Well, so you you became a Christian. You started attending, I'm assuming, this Bible study, and that's where you started. Then writing these rhymes, hearing God call you to write rhymes. What happened after that to get? Because obviously, you're not going to get signed out of a youth group or whatever. You were you traveling? <laughs> were you traveling around and doing concerts in, in the local area? Yes. While I was working on my ma- well, a week after graduated from college, uh, I gave my life to Jesus. A week after that, I was accepted into grad school, okay. and a week after that, I was accepted to be to be a resident director of one of the dorms on campus. Mm-hmm. And so my life just started to move very, very quickly. I'll say. And uh, <laughs> but d- during all of this, you know, hip hop was really still new. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. was. Some people were saying it was of the devil, and they weren't even spiritual people, mm, you know? Yeah. And people were saying that rap would never last, and this is just another trend, another fad, and stuff like that. And 
But the thing is, people were listening. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to hip hop, and and so because I was bringing it in the name of the Lord, even unsay people were listening to to my lyrics, and you know, they had not given their life to the Lord necessarily at that time. Some were, mm-hmm. many did, but it was more like. It was my opportunity to tell people about Jesus, and I know, and it's it's been very interesting too, Dave. You know, like I, I talk, to this very day, I tell people that back in those days, I could stand on the street corner and hand out tracks and tell people Jesus loves you. They take the track and throw it down and keep walking. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I could stand on that same street corner, and I did rap lyrics about Jesus and tell them you're going to go to hell without Jesus in your life, and they stood around and listened. I'm busting out strong. All over the nation, school in the world, giving true revelation, freedom and hope in times, the tribulation, the fine fallacies, and the status quo. Preaching the gospel, mocking just they know why. Jesus is the way to Try go. to stop me, I don't even care. I've got Christ in my heart, you don't stand depressed. See foolish games, it's all you play on our youth. Teaching immorality and not to do your game. See, yo, what's the problem? They really bother me, my name is Mike Peace. I'm a threat to society. Yeah. I'm a threat to society. I don't like your choice in jokes. Make fun of my God, he's gonna make you choke. When you stand before him, I'm coming against your foolish campaigns. Call it charity, it's selfish game. Say what? You don't like what I'm saying? I've got more to say. I'm not playing, I'm a militant, a renegade. So I'm going to be a rebel. My words, my heart, my head. They're on the level, wanna stop me? Don't even try it with the power of God. It can start a riot. See? Rip it up, Mike! I'm a threat to society. That's right. I'm a threat to society. To this day, I, I don't get it other than the fact that it's just the Lord that was doing it. Yeah. Uh, and, and just, you know, appealing to them in the form of hip hop. And so I was starting to get invitations. You know, word started to get around a little bit about this guy <laughs> at this college campus. Yeah. And I started to, you know, the youth pastor at our church, he knew other youth pastors. So. They would have rallies and they would have me do something and I was doing youth groups and then I started to be invited to juvenile detention centers, you know, in the mm-hmm. area, a couple of adult prisons, male prisons, where it just started to travel about me. And that's when a, f- a friend of mine who was a youth pastor at a, of a church other than the one I was attending, he knew an exec, not an executive, but he knew someone uh, who worked for the record company, word record uh, okay. uh, company back in the day. And um, they, he checked me out. He just he just kept watching me and just seeing what the word out of the street were, yeah. was about me. And finally, he made a connection for me. Very cool. We could spend all day talking about your path through music and all this, but there's one piece that I wanted to talk about. So you, had, you released uh, half a dozen albums. You toured for seven years. One of the the highlights that I read of this is that you would sometimes, even at the height of your career, you weren't getting much money, but you had a statement that you would work wherever God w- would send you, and you were relying on God to provide. Yes. Do you have a story about how God provided in that time for you? Yes, very much so. And I tell people this all the time, that as things were beginning to grow for me, the Lord spoke to me very clearly and told me that I was to not charge to do this, and that he would he would you know, he would meet, meet my needs. And so I just chose, of course, to obey that. And I, I, to this very day, I tell people, because God called me to do this for the ministry and not the money street. And, um, and 
so often I would get calls, and this is before I had an agent, and even after I had an agent, you know, they would say, we would love to have Mike come and, you know, encourage these kids. They, they've been dealing with violence, with gangs and stuff like that, but we know that we cannot afford him, but we just want to let you know, let Mike Peace know that we really appreciate his music and everything. And my agent would tell him, and, you know, and even before I had an agent, say, hey, just let me know how to get there, and we'll take care. We'll let the Lord settle up everything else. Yeah. And the Lord, to this very day, has proven himself to be faithful, and we've not ever charged one day ever um, to do what we do. And, you know, we, we've had, that doesn't mean people have not paid us, but they did not, but we came without charge. So that means we can come do something all week and not get any money, you know? Um, and then some people, of course, they, they, you know, they realized that they needed to do something. But, uh, and my wife, Julia, um, even before she was my, my girlfriend, she knew that God had called me to this. And so she knew what I was getting myself into. And so later on, when we realized that we would, she was going to be not only my girlfriend, but my wife, you know, she knew what we were getting, what she was getting herself into. <laughs> We've just been able to to have that story to tell. And years and years and years later, I still, to this very day, get emails, text messages, instant messages from Facebook, you name it, from people who gave their life to the Lord, you know, because uh, I was somewhere where they heard the music yeah. and they gave their life to the Lord as a result of it. And I think to myself, man, I remember that place. Yeah. I'm thinking, man, if I had not gone, man, you know, that person probably would not have given their life to the Lord. But that's the Lord cool. set me up for that. Yeah. Well, that's so cool to hear you be faithful and that your wife, Julia, was aware enough of what was going on. And she said, yep, I'm in for this ride. Let's do this together. That's yeah. pretty cool. Oh, yes. I'm glad about it. <laughs> I'm glad about it. <laughs> well, in 1994, you released the last album, Out of Control, and then you made a shift to working specifically focusing for inner city and at-risk youth. What was that transition? I mean, here's a communications guy, studies communications in school. What was it that <laughs> caused you to shift to this other ministry? Once again, it was one of those things that, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, even with the hip-hop, if, if I stood back and watched how my life was to unfold, I think I could have seen it coming, even the hip-hop part, even though I did not like poetry, because there were other aspects of my life that the Lord was going to use, mm -hmm. and he just put hip-hop to be a part of it. Well, the same goes for when I was, when, when the Lord told me what he wanted me to do with, with you know, urban youth and, you know, uh, at-risk youth, like, all those years that we were traveling, you know, we were working with, we did ministry with the Crip, the Blood, the Cholos, the Latin Kings, the El Rookins, all these gangs. And the Lord utilized my wife and I to minister to them and lead them to the Lord and things like that and help them get connected and help them, you know, get them the materials to help them become disciples. Mm -hmm. And all of, all of those years of us traveling, you know, you look back and it was like, well, the Lord was doing, the Lord was doing more what was happening at that very moment he was preparing me for the days that that you know i've been my wife and i have been in you know since since 94. yeah um he was just preparing us for this and he uh, you know he just finally released released us at another level well you started a couple of different things uh, arise was a program that you did called achieving respect in society educationally 
And again, we're talking about education, which was important to you. But you've also started yeah. Bethel Express. Talk a little bit about what you're doing now and what what does your day-to-day life look like in the ministry you're doing now? <laughs> uh, I, I, it's interesting. You would say that just yesterday my wife and I were talking and uh, because people ask me quite often, so Mike, what's a normal day for you? Like, what is just a, day, a normal day in the life of Mike Peace? And I tell them, other than getting up with a smile on my face, the praise in my heart, and going into prayer and word every morning, I really don't know what my day is going to be like. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be asked to go visit, uh, you know, a, a kid in school that got in trouble for good reasons. I'll take, give an example of that later. Okay. For good reason, although the school did not like it, he did what was right, you know, she did what was right to dealing with a kid, you know, calling me up and telling me, you know, his mother kicked him out of the house, you know, for whatever reason, or, you know, Mike, you know, can I stay with you and Miss Julia? Because, you know, last night, you know, somebody shot, you know, shot at my house because of my brother, you know, my brother's, you know, selling drugs and, you know, they're trying to get at us as a family yeah. and stuff, you know, to, you know, to, to good stuff to like, you know, Mike, I just got a letter, you know, and I passed the LSATs. I'm going to go to law school. And this is a kid that I've known since they were like five. Wow. You know, yeah. to, you know, to, uh, you, you name it. Uh, it, it. It's good and it's good and bad all in, all in the day's work. Yeah. Like one, one little girl asked me about, about two years ago, a little girl, seven-year-old girl, she says, Michael Peace, how was your week? I says, well, Lanisha. I had to go to two jail visits. Um, I had to do one funeral, and I had to appear in court for two different people that live in my neighborhood. And so she says, "You don't expect me to care, do you?" Oh, no. I said, "Well, Amisha, why did you, I said, Amisha, why did you ask me?" She says, "I was trying to be nice." <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, so I, so I don't bother to complain. But, but my days. I I do not have a dull moment any day in my life. You can rest assured of that. Um, I would imagine. But, uh, but as I said before, I wake up with a smile on my face knowing that the, the Lord is setting me up to do something, you know, to make an impact in someone's life. You yeah. know, right now the weather's getting starting to get a little cold and, you know, people are being challenged financially. So, you know, right now the biggest thing on my, on my, on my plate, I guess you could say, is, is to see that the kids in our ministry get, you know, are fed. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for people in my neighborhood, you know, they know where to go, yeah. where, you know, where, we, where my wife and I live, they know where to go in order to, to get food. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's heart wrenching, heartbreaking and heartwarming all at the same time. Yeah. It's heart wrenching to know that somebody has to go to a, an outdoor cabinet to, to look for food. Wow. You know, it's heartbreaking to see them walk away if there's not enough food, Yeah. but it's also heartwarming when you know that you put food in there. And that they walk away with a big, you know, shopping bag of food, knowing that they did not have to pay for it, and that they, and they did not have to know that I put it there. Yeah. And just, just to see them walk away. So, every day is different, but it's all the same in terms of the desire to just see people's lives impacted with the good news and love of Jesus. So what you're doing is you're reaching people in their daily lives which gives you a relationship with them, then that opens up the door for you to share Christ with them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Big time. In fact, um, that is our sole purpose and goal 
is to win people to Jesus. I mean, of course, we want people to, to be warm with a jacket and a yeah. coat and gloves and a hat. We can, yes, that we can do that. Of course, we want people to eat because we don't want anyone to go hungry. Yes, we, we do that, you know, but the bottom line is, you know, it gives us an opportunity. Yeah. You know, when we give them, you know, a coat and gloves, it gives us an opportunity when we give them a food basket, you know, for us to talk about the Lord and to win them to the Lord. And we've seen, we've seen a lot of people come to the Lord as a result of it. You know, it's not always easy. You know, it has its challenges, oh, and it doesn't always happen quickly. In fact, it hardly ever happens quickly, but but it's always worth it, you know, when you walk the distance with people, and people know that you will walk the distance with them. Yeah. Well, so what it sounds like to me, Mike, is that Bethel Express uh, is probably a full-time job. Yes, it is. Or even more so, but you're still traveling. You're going to other places and doing gang and prison ministries in other places, too. How do you balance this full plate of activities of ministry that you're doing? Well, we're still doing it, but we're, we're not doing it to the, we're not traveling to the same extent that we did when I was in the industry. Okay. But I still do get invitations, that's for sure. Um, and I, like all things, I, you know, my wife and I, we've, we've trained up and raised up and developed uh, uh, more than enough people to handle the ministry when we're not there. Mm. I learned a long time ago that after three years, you should you should already have trained yourself out of a job. And, well, we've been doing this since the 90s, but in terms of anyone who's ever been under our charge, um, we've always developed people that if we're out of town, we do, this ministry does not miss a step. Yeah. I mean, they know and love my wife because we're like parents to them, but, yeah. but the people that we have in, in, in charge, they do a great job of keeping this ministry alive. And, you know, like a lot of pastors, they don't want things to go too well because they don't want, you know, the kids to forget them. <laughs> well, I, that won't happen, but I'm just glad that the kids are not thinking about us when we're out of town. Mm -hmm. I, you know, that's proof that we've done it right, that, that Jesus is who they should be coming to, you know, coming to church for anyway. So so we're happy about that, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, I mean, we, we do want them to miss us, but <laughs> <laughs> sure. they do sure, take sure. But, but the most important thing is that they really do come to have an encounter with Jesus. Yes, yes. Well, as we were preparing for this interview, one of the things you said is our stories about the Lord's miracles here are incredible. And well, I'm sure we don't have time to touch on even a half a dozen of them, but do you have one such miracle that you can share with us of how God has worked through and in you? Yes, and I'll try to do two really, really fast. Okay. With our children, um, we— we're emphatic about the reality of God and what God can do. We teach them the names of God, Jehovah Rophi, the Lord God who heals, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God, the Lord God our peace, Jehovah Nisi, the battle protection. Of our... we, we teach them that, and, and we, we do it a lot, so mm -hmm. they know that that's the reality of God and what he's able to do. And uh, one, one particular morning, we were having service, and one of my leaders came over to me, and I was playing drums for worship during that time. And she said, Julia's downstairs. She's making flight reservations because her father is in a coma, and he's as bad as he's going to get. So she's making flight reservations so her and her sisters can get down there before he go goes to be with the Lord mm -hmm. because he's not going to make it. And so um, so I got from behind the drums, and I said to the kids, I said, look, y'all. I said, Miss Julia's, Julia's downstairs. She's making flight reservations. They said her dad is in a bad place, and he's not going to make it. And, and I just said, so what are we going to do about it? And this little girl with no teeth in front of her face, right? She yelled out, we fight! <laughs> and so I said, okay, then let's fight. And we began to do spiritual warfare 
you know, just doing, just, just speak out the word of God and reading scripture on the mic and just, it was all kids. It was all, all kids. Very cool. And about 20 minutes later, my wife came upstairs and she whispered in my ear, you know, what was going on. I said, tell the kids. And during that time, her father had come out of a coma. Wow. Sat up, was talking, making jokes, right? Wow. And they were about to release them in an hour. What? Totally healed. Wow. Totally healed. I mean, I get chills to this very day. Yes. Talking about it, you know. Um, and so for us, we, I mean, so those kids know that the Lord can do it. Mm-hmm. And so, they, and so, you know, when somebody gets sick, they're like, Mike Peace, you know what we have to do, right? And I'm like, yeah, I know what we do. <laughs> what do we have to do? And they would tell us, I mean, it's time to fight. I have a friend, she had COVID and it was really, really bad. And the kids did spiritual warfare, and she literally, literally left the hospital the next day. Wow. Literally. Wow. They, they, they even told her family to come in, you know, and spend your last few moments with her. Oh. And the next day, she left. I mean, this is like real stuff, like yes. real stuff. I can go on and on and on. But, it, 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 you know, I mean, of course, Jesus, Jesus, of course, made a much bigger deal about a soul coming to, you know, coming into the kingdom, right? you know, and, and, and he made that mention even when it came to miracles. But, you know, uh, uh, we, w- when we talk about the reality of God, in other words, how real he is, you know, it's these kinds of experiences that kids get and are getting here in the inner city that, that, are, that are making it difficult for people to challenge them on this stuff because this stuff really happened. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, they can talk to my wife. Yeah, you know they can talk to this woman that got that left the hospital the next day with COVID. They can talk to her, yep. you know. Um, and so, you know, the, well, the Bible said the miracles are for those who don't believe. Well, there you have it. Yep, <laughs> there you have it. We send out a prayer letter every Saturday to a whole bunch of folks who are committed to praying for people who've been in music and who are doing ministry. Yes. What specifically can we be praying for you and Miss Julia in the days and the weeks ahead? We need more new vehicles to pick up more kids. Right now, there are kids, even on my own block, my block, there are 10 kids that, that want to come to be with us. They just started to come. They just moved into the neighborhood on my block like two months ago. And they know what we do. We have no way of getting them there. There, there, and, and there are other areas in our city of people who parents who want their kids to come, but we have no transport. We don't have any more transportation. We are all tapped out. So uh, we need more minivans. We need four minivans right now, and and uh, if we can get four of it, more mini minivans, that would be great. Um, and one 15 passenger van, and we would be great. So we'll ask people to specifically pray for transportation vans for the Bethel Express ministry. If somebody wanted to get involved, how could they reach you and get involved either by volunteering or praying or maybe even giving some finances to help for these vans? Well, my phone number is 585-967-1404. Our website is BethelExpress.org. BethelExpress.org. And the phone number, once again, is 585-967-1404. And they will, they will speak directly with me. And um, we'll be glad to, to give them a chance to serve the Lord in this manner.
I wish we had more time to talk with Mike about his work. He's been busy as the guest chaplain for the Buffalo Bills, a professor at Elam College. He is even on the board of directors for Kingdom Bound Music Festival. But as you can tell from this conversation, his heart is with the kids in his community, helping them find purpose and resources to making positive changes in their lives. He has such a heart for sharing the gospel with youth and teaching them the importance of a relationship with Jesus. One of the things I particularly appreciated about Mike's story was the emphasis on how God reached him right where he was. He was an intellectual and needed God to reach him through an academic and intellectual debate about the truth. And that's how God got a hold of him. But Michael also talked about the way to show Jesus to kids, and that's just to be there for life's day-to-day issues. Be available to deal with problems at school or providing a warm coat or celebrating success throughout the day. All of these are practical ways that God reaches out to the people in Mike's community through Mike. Today, we have an opportunity to help Michael continue his ministry to the youth in Rochester, New York. I know there are a lot of really good ministries for you to support, but maybe our conversation with Michael Peace struck a chord with you today. I know a lot of you pray for these artists each week, but what would it look like if we called Michael or reached out to Bethel Express and did something more tangible? Maybe there's a listener or two here who own a car lot and have a van you could donate. Or maybe you live in Rochester and can get involved personally at Bethel Express, helping be a backer for their foundation or a sponsor for their fundraising breakfasts. I'd like to invite each of us to go visit BethelExpress.org and find out how we might be able to help and join Michael and Julia Peace in the important work they are doing. I'm going to put Michael's phone number and his website address in the show notes. The music on today's episode come from two Michael Peace albums. First, we played Rocket Right from his 1987 album by the same name. That's his debut project on Reunion Records. The second song we played was Threat to Society, and that is also the title track from his 1991 album called Threat to Society. I invite you to go check those out wherever you stream your music. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs>